Stay tuned for Wine Crush, Northwest Wine Stories, Uncorked. Welcome to Wine Crush, where winemakers tell the stories behind the vine. Thanks for joining us here on Portland Radio Project. Today, host Heidi Moore will guide us through two distinct wine stories. The first has its roots in something all of us here at PRP love, music. And the second truly demonstrates how with the art of wine comes family, friendships, and good times. We are talking with Dave Spector from Bells Up Winery today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I had the pleasure of coming up to the winery a few months ago, pre-harvest for sure. Back in better weather days. I don't know. This is pretty awesome right now. The the weather is pretty fantastic right now. But I sat down with you and your lovely wife, Sarah, and you told me the story of Bells Up. Yes. So I want you to... Tell us the story now, all of us, the story of Bells Up. So Bells Up Winery actually started back about 12 years ago, back in 2006, at a time when we were not expecting to someday have a commercial winery. Uh, We started making wine. As a as a as a hobby project, um, we were living in Cincinnati, Ohio uh, back then. Uh, my wife had her own business um, as a freelance marketing consultant, and I was working as a corporate tax attorney doing mergers and acquisitions, which sounds super fantastically fun every day. Oh my gosh, it's it's a laugh a minute, and you can imagine how much fun I was at parties back back then. Funny when you start making alcohol, how much better you're received just in your own friends and social circles, you know. So I'm not uh, it, it's been a great step upward, but you know, we just kind of started it. It was our 5-year wedding anniversary. We were we were just kind of looking for a couples project to do. Um and so we started by a, of all the dumb things by going to a supply shop and getting a kit in a box. And they give you follow the step-by-step simple instructions. And I'll be darned if I just didn't start getting hooked. And it didn't take too long before uh, I was ready to start working with actual grapes. And and we would get sort of grapes from wherever we could. You know, when you live in Ohio, getting grapes isn't always terribly easy. Um, But we were able to get some from some nice vineyards in the northern part of the state, as well as Finger Lakes, New York, and then some from California. And I just became more and more fascinated with the idea of, you know, how do you do this? How do you, you know, make these amazing wines that we've, you know, always been drinking, but and admired, but, you know, never really at the time thought about how you actually construct them. And then we started taking wine vacations. And then in 2008 was our first visit to the Willamette Valley. We spent four days uh, roaming around and just taking in all of the amazing scenes and wines. We really fell in love with it. It felt more like home than anywhere we'd ever been. And, you know, back then there were probably 250, 300 wineries, you know, half the number of wineries that there are now. But what you really got the opportunity to do back then was talk to the people that owned it, that did all the work. Um, And, you know, for somebody who was just getting started, it was just an amazing opportunity to expand my own knowledge and then to see, you know, kind of hear their stories and what they had been doing before that. Um, For a lot of people, it was second careers. And so kind of based on that, you know, after that trip, uh, Sarah and I thought, you know, that might be fun to do someday, you know, in 20 years when we're ready to retire. We never thought it was going to be this soon. Um, But within a month of getting back, uh, Sarah's professional mentor at age 40 was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And with three young children and a husband, you know, we saw this just amazing woman just, you know, fade away over the next few months. And we came to realize very quickly that, you know, life is too short. 
way too short to spend it doing a career that you hate. Um, and I was not happy with, you know, I, I love the people where I was, but I wasn't happy with the work. Uh, sure. And we made that decision that we were going to at least give it a shot. Um, and try and see what we could do. Uh, but we also understood getting into this, this was going to require a lot of upfront work on our part. So um, I spent the next three years working for a little urban winery uh, in Cincinnati, learning how to scale up uh, what we were doing. And that's kind of how we got our start. Uh, after that, we moved here to the Valley uh, and bought a little property up uh, on Bell Road, just outside of Newburgh and started producing our wines in 2013 and opened the doors in 2015. Been rolling forward ever since. That's fast. You didn't waste any time starting and moving and vacationing and everything you did. And all of a sudden, you're up and moving and going forward. I want to talk to you a little bit more about the Bells Up in just a moment. And we'll come back and talk about your wines, too. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. When we started, we talked about what Bells Up means, and coincidentally, you moved to Bell Road as well. So tell us what Bells Up means, because it has a musical background. Sure, exactly. I, I suppose I, I should just go back real quick and start with the, our idea of branding was obviously based around the music theme. I was a French horn player for about 20 years, started in junior high, played all the way up through college. And, you know, I was in the symphony and the wind ensemble and yes, marching band too, which is why my knees are shot after all these years. But anyway, that became our way to, of branding it. Um, and we didn't want to name it after ourselves. That was sort of the big thing. Because we, we see all the time, so many wineries are named after the owners. And we thought, you know, just from a marketing standpoint, it's the easiest way for people to forget who you are. Name it after yourself. Fortunately, the music theme has that benefit of, of being, you know, a big part of our story. And, you know... I think most people can identify, even if you're not a, a big classical music fan, the idea of music and wine are, are certainly universal. So I think folks can identify with that. So that was our theme. We didn't have the name picked out until we ended up on Bell Road. And then, uh, you know, once that happened, I thought back to my musical days and and I remember that the term bells up uh, is a term because normally when you're playing the horn, um, you're in a seated position. The bell of the instrument sits on your right leg and you play uh, with the valves from your left hand. But every so often you get this moment when the composer wants to create a little dramatic flourish. And so there will be a little notation in the horn score that'll say bells up. And it's at a time when the music's getting louder. And when you hit this point from the audience's perspective, you'll see the horn players lift their bells in the air. And it's the horn player's time to be the front and center and, and the focus of attention, which we don't get very often. Normally, we're sort of the soft, mellow middle of the symphony. But in those moments, you know, you really get that opportunity to shine. And it was just such a wonderful opportunity to use that as our name. You know, it's short, it's catchy, uh, it ties in perfectly with the location and the road. We then carry that theme through. All of the names of our wines are for uh, pieces of music that are, shall we say, French horn heavy. Uh, so a lot of horn uh, featured in every one of them. Uh, uh, we have used names like Villanelle and Titan and Firebird. And, you know, uh, you know, I think a lot of the music people have probably heard at some point, even if they don't necessarily recognize the names off the top of their heads. But uh, like I said, I think it gives us a nice little advantage. It 
gives a great visual. I mean, the whole visual of the symphony and the flair that's going into your wine is just, it is, it's perfect. It's a really nice meld of of two or three pieces of your life all coming together. So speaking of the wine, you brought us a really nice Pinot. It's the Titan. It's the newly released 2016 that you have, right? It's a beautiful wine, beautiful color. It is tastes Thank you. fabulous. And Let's carry into the rest of your wines. Yes. Um, we've always said from day one that the uh, the Pinot was going to be the most important thing that we did, but it was never going to be the only thing that we did. Uh, so what I brought you today was the Titan, as you mentioned, which is our, our flagship. Um, it's our blend of two very small vineyards. Um, at this point, our estate vineyard, uh, we are only using starting uh, last year and then again this year to do rosé um, because the vineyard's very young. It's only five years old. Now, next year, when that vineyard hits its sixth year, we're going to start doing estate Pinot as well as the rosé. In the meantime, uh, the other wines that I make right now, we do a Pinot Blanc, we do a rosé of Pinot Noir, and right now, and well, forever now, that's the one that's going to come from our our estate. And then we do a Syrah on the other side for reds, uh, and we pull that fruit. That's the only one where we don't get the fruit locally. We go to northeastern Oregon, Milton Freewater, literally right across the state line from Walla Walla, Washington. Um, and our Syrah is pretty special because I don't make a Syrah for Syrah drinkers. I make a Syrah for Pinot drinkers, so it's lighter, more elegant. And the other thing that we're very excited about is we brought a grape with us in from Ohio called Saval Blanc. It's a white grape. We are the only planting of that grape here in the valley. I would have brought some today, but the 2017 harvest only made two cases. Uh, young vines. So oh, no. it, they, they, Well, no, it's okay. They're young vines. They've, they've got some room to grow. Um, this year, it looks like it's going to make about 15 cases. So it looks like we're going to be able to do a club only release with that one. So we're very excited. That'll get released coming up here in the spring. So I'm still working on it, but it looks great, tastes great, flavors are awesome. We're excited. Perfect. Well, thank you for talking about the wine. I'm really excited about the new one. I'm going to have to join the club or at least maybe talk you out of a bottle one way (laughs) or the other. Come back up to the winery. Uh, We will be right back with more of what Bells Up is up to. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at PRP.fm. We were talking about Bells Up Wine and what the name means, but now I want to get into how you visit and, and the difference in your tasting room versus some of the others. Sure. So so we are very, very small. We're only, in fact, this is going to be our highest production year uh, that we've done, and that's up to 500 cases, which may sound like a lot, but it, it makes us the smallest winery in our in our area that, that has its own tasting space. Because we're so small, we are not open regular hours. We're open by appointment. And what we see, you know, sometimes is that there are some folks that get, you know, a little nervous or a little, uh, you know, a, a little freaked out about calling a winery and making an appointment or emailing a winery. You know, they they may have the idea that there's some sort of secret exclusive thing or that they have to be some sort of a wine expert. You know, it's just the opposite. You know, I, I would say, you know, for folks that are listening, please don't ever be afraid to call or email a place if you're interested and, and make an appointment. Uh, you are going to have the best experiences at those places because you are going to be taken care of by the people that are actually doing the work. And it's harder and harder to find those places these days. It's rare when you get a place that's open regular hours nowadays where you're actually getting to meet, you know, the folks that are heavily involved in the creation of the products and of the brand. You know, for us, 
being open by appointment really gives us an opportunity to sit down with everybody that comes in to our place and really get to know them on a one-on-one basis. Uh, the way we do it, it's very simple. You call me, you email me, info at bellsupwinery.com or 503-537-1328. Just check the website. Just tell us when you want to come in and we'll get a spot for you. Um, You will be the only people there. I don't double book appointments. You know, part of what we've said from day one is, you know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to say we're going to book three groups in at once and combine them together. We want everybody to have their own time and attention and the opportunity to ask a million questions. It's okay. You know, that's what we're here for. When when we visited here, there were a lot of winemakers that listened to my very newbie wine questions and were amazingly supportive, never made me feel, you know, like some kind of a dope because I didn't know as much as they did. And so, you know, I really took that to heart and we pay that forward for everybody that comes in and sees us. And I will say from, you know, my own experience, it was very intimidating when I first did that the first time, but it is the most fantastic experience. And when I came and saw you and Sarah, it was the same way. I mean, we sat down, we had a beautiful table setting, we went through a ton of wine, we talked about everything under the sun, and I learned a lot, which I think is super important when you are in wine country. It, there's Everybody does things a little bit differently, and it's nice to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. You know, we've said from day one, our goal in this was when people come in, we want you to feel like you're coming to visit friends that just happen to have a winery. So, you know, the, the other thing the by appointment model does is it gives us the opportunity to not talk over your head. You know, we, we see so often you can go to a tasting room and you can be presented with all kinds of technical information, which if you're into it is really interesting. But for most folks, you know, they're at very different points on their, on their, you know, div- where they are in their wine journey. And we can talk to you on whatever level you're on, you know, and, and say so we encourage you, you know, it's part of our job is to help, you know, it's not so much education, but to fulfill your curiosities. Which, which is fantastic. And I want to wrap up really quick and make sure we talk about your events because you always have something fun up your shoulders. Oh. Well, in in as as we get through uh, the holiday seasons, you know, we start looking forward to next year, and you know, we we will be taking appointments all through all through the winter. Um, you know, of course, weather permitting. Um, but uh, as we get into the into spring, we'll be looking at starting up uh, things like winemaker dinners next year, um, as well as some great club events and some good release events as we get into the spring. Um, but our winery has an amazing view looking south throughout the valley, panoramic as you can get. So even in bad weather, you can see, you know, the, the sights and the and the the overall experience because we have our tasting table set up right in front of the windows, uh, the panel windows to the south. So you'll get an amazing view no matter what the weather. And we have a lot of great red wines to pour for you right now. I can pour you a few special things. So we'd love to see you. Perfect. So excited to come back up. Thank you for joining us, Dave. We'll be back up to Bells Up soon. My pleasure. Thank you. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. Welcome back to Wine Crush, the podcast for wine lovers. Say hello to our second guest today, Chris Helbling from Whiskey Hill Winery. Welcome, Chris. 
Thank you for having us. Thanks for driving again all the way across the metro area. It probably had the best commute ever. It's pretty awesome. No traffic. Yeah, no kidding. So Whiskey Hill is not just the name of your winery. It's the name of the area and it has some history to it. So let's go back to the beginning of Whiskey Hill and how it all fits together. Well, uh, it goes back quite a ways. So my wife and I met between eighth grade and freshman year of high school. And for the record, she kissed me first. Um, but uh, so we knew each other all through high school. Uh, she hated me. Our best friends dated. Um, and between our freshman year and our sophomore year of college, she came around and uh, decided we, she liked you. Yeah. And, it, and everything kind of went from there. No, uh, <laughs> about a year and a half later, we got married at 21. Um, and so very young. Um, now four kids uh, and a winery. But anyway, uh, her parents were lifelong farmers. So her parents farmed uh, all over the Lima Valley, hundreds of acres of custom stuff and um, basically any row crop you could think of. So everywhere from um, wheat to grass seed to strawberries to corn, um, everything. Uh, and so about 2001, they wanted to have her sister's wedding out there. So they go through um, and it was this gorgeous event. Everybody loved it, family and friends. And so they had a couple more family and friends weddings out there. Uh, and then it turned into a business. So uh, my wife started helping when she was in uh, college and uh, it kind of took off. So the state and the county came out eventually and they're like, hey, funny story. Um, you have to have permits and licenses to do this stuff. Uh, and so uh, they went through that process. And at the time, uh, in order to use exclusive farm use land for a commercial purpose, you had to be considered a winery or a couple other things. Um, so they picked winery as their track, uh, and that was basically defined as 15 acres of grapes plus produces wine, but the produce wine aspect was really loose. And so it was basically like if five gallon bucket of grapes ferments in the corner, it counts. So that was kind of the idea. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So 15 acres of Pinot went in, uh, it's all Dijon 115. There's nothing else there. Uh, except for now, now we have some more stuff to talk about later. Um, but, uh, the goal was to sell it uh, like a, like an agricultural crop, like everybody else. Uh, at the time, uh, when we were in college, I had started working for the sheriff's office, um, worked there for about nine years. Uh, and I didn't have the time to make wine. I didn't have the time to do any of that kind of stuff. So, uh, about as we got close to one of our first harvests, um, we were sitting at breakfast with our parents and, uh, we basically had the idea of like, well, if there's all these places in Oregon making this stuff, let's, let's start making it. Um, so we drove over to Newburgh and Dundee, bought a bunch of winemaking stuff, uh, and came back. Uh, so we basically picked really cold grapes late at night, crushed them in a cow trough, uh, scooped everything out with rusty rakes, uh, and, uh, fermented it all in trash cans on my mother-in-law's back porch. Uh, I love that visual. That yes. is so We've never sold that porch. one. That's good to know. <laughs> I think you told me it tasted like turpentine. It, it was really bad. And every now and then I have like 10 bottles of it left. So every now and then when somebody doesn't believe me, we make them drink some of it and we prove how bad it was. Um, so we, you've come a long way. We have. Uh, so that year we made 20 gallons of wine all in glass carboys, very, very small. Uh, and since then, uh, we're up to about 850 cases this year. Um, so still very, very small in the grand scheme of things, but a long ways in a little while. Um, basically, we read as many books as we could get our hands on, trial and error. Um, this is our uh, sixth vintage making wine. So um, we've had a lot of room to make mistakes along the way, and everything's gotten better and better and better as it has gone. Um, so yeah, now my wife still uh, does the wedding stuff with her parents, uh, and I just play with grapes over over in a corner and try and stay out of the way. 
that's not a bad goal for you to do that. But you're no longer the sheriff's office, so you've decided to permanently switch to being a farmer yes. full-time yes. slash winemaker. Yes. So about uh, two and a half years, almost three years ago. Wow. I was three years ago. Uh, so uh, my three-year-old didn't really recognize me between um, work and court and uh, everything else. I, did, I He didn't, hadn't gotten a chance to know me at about three months old. And so my wife basically told me it's time to meet with professionals, whether they be attorneys and accountants and all that, and figure something out. And you're either going to pick one or the other. And so uh, we picked alcohol. Perfect. That's not a bad choice by any means. So we're going to come back and talk about the alcohol that you've decided to make full time. And we'll come right back. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at prp.fm. So finishing up with a colorful story leads us directly into wines and what you're making because it's not the standard varietals necessarily. You have a little bit of variation going on. So I'm going to let you take the floor and continue with the color and tell us what you're doing. So we do uh, some fun stuff. Uh, when we started uh, making wine, everything was Pinot. So, I mean, we 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 have 15 acres of grapes. Well, my wife's parents have 15 acres of grapes. Uh, and we sell them. Most of it leaves. Uh, over 85% of our fruit leaves the farm. Uh, we sell to very large wineries who basically blend it in with a bunch of other stuff and you never even know it exists. Uh, and so uh, we make a very small amount of that. So we wanted to bring something else in that's not Pinot because sometimes in the Lima Valley you go tasting all day and you end up tasting a lot of Pinot. Um, so we planted a small block. Uh, it is Leon Mio, Marichal Foch, Gamay, Riesling and Gewürz. Um, and so it's a lot of stuff to do with blending. We do a white blend. We call our wedding white blend. That's a blend of uh, Riesling, Gewürz. Sometimes there's uh, Pinot Gris and Muscat in it. Uh, and so that's a semi-sweet. Um, goes really well. Uh, that's under our, the Postal Weights label. So that's the wedding venue side is is, is the Postal Weights side. That's her parents. So we do uh, a Pinot and a white blend for that. Uh, and then everything else falls under Whiskey Hill. So the um, Gamay is a... a an interesting grape. Uh, it ripens late. It's very light. It has a cranberry tartness to it, but it's similar to Pinot. Uh, Leon Mio and Marichal Foch are hybrids. Um, they So the best way I've ever heard Foch described is it's Fauchy. Um, it just has this taste to it that you recognize in Foch. And um, some people love interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah it's probably, its own word. It's a... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 own category. Yeah, it's it's just falls down this path, and some people love it, some people hate it. Um, we had a bunch that we bought um, last year because our Foch isn't producing fruit yet. Hopefully next year, uh, and so we were going to blend a bunch of it, and uh, we kept getting people asking for Foch. So we actually bottled Foch as a standalone, um, and we have four cases left, uh, and it's only wow. been out for yeah, it's only been out for a month and a half. Who knew? Um, just not me. Um, and so uh, yeah, it's been a fun one. Uh, Leon Mio is another uh, cool climate French hybrid. And uh, that one, uh, I fell in love. We're very lucky to be on a side of the valley that uh, has a bunch of variety. And so um, Leon Mio is one that uh, Forest Edge was making and King's Raven was making and doing a phenomenal job with it. I kind of fell in love with it. It's similar to Pinot. It's lighter bodied, very, very fruit forward. Um, and it does uh, really, really well as a standalone. We actually um, just bottled about 19 cases of that. 
Um, and the rest of it went into our red blend. Uh, but uh, the 19 cases of that uh, will release later in December along with two other Pinots. Uh, the red blend is a new one for us this year. Uh, and so that is what we're drinking, correct? That is, it's a conglomeration of everything. Uh, so, um, a lot of Pinot, Pinot heavy. So it's 34% Pinot, uh, 29% Liam, you know, 29% Marichal Foch and 7% Syrah. Um, and it's about half American and half French oak, about 30% oak total. Uh, so kind of a fun one. I really wanted to do some blending, um, joke about it all like being the leftovers that's tossed into a bottle, but it's not, um, we actually did about 10, 20 different, uh, blendings on it to, to come up with what we liked. Um, the Syrah is another fun one. That's, uh, that's something we buy from our neighbors down the street at St. Joseph's. Um, they have one of the oldest Syrah vineyards in Oregon. And so we're very lucky to get that from them. It's different than a warm climate Syrah. It's not this, uh, massive, massive grape. Uh, you get a lot more acid out of it and uh, a lot more berry characteristics. So it's a really popular one for us. Yeah. You're kind of all over the board with a little bit of everything you're doing, which as a wine taster connoisseur is really fun to be able to come to a, a tasting room like what you have to be able to really to taste from A to Z and a little bit of everything in between. And the BO, those are those are hybrids that you don't see very often, which is awesome. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the tasting room and everything else you have going on at the farm. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. Now that we have been around the world with all your wines and all the great things you're producing, I want you to tell us about the beauty that is what the farm is, because I was stunned at the beauty of what you guys had going out there, not only with the tasting room and the farm, but the wedding venue and the barn itself inside was, I wish I could get married again, same guy, married, <laughs> married again in the barn because it was so beautiful. That uh, uh, that has nothing to do with me. That uh, is all uh, my wife, uh, her parents. Um, it's 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 all them. They uh, uh, they started doing that many years ago, and uh, it's kind of funny. So um, that's their farm right there, uh, and then we actually live next door, uh, and so it's uh, it's 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 really convenient for us because we have full time babysitters and four children. Um, I'm just kidding, um, but, uh, but not um, really. Yeah, but but really. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> um, no, they, uh, in 2001, when they started doing that, he had built that building. Uh, my wife's father, Gary, had built that building as a, as a machine shop. And so it basically designed the building so he could uh, drive a combine in one side and drive it back out the same side. Because, I mean, it, it's, it's a pull barn. Uh, and so after that wedding, uh, his, his area shrank um, um, quickly. <laughs> and so uh, he, for a little while, they'd do weddings in like half of it. And then uh, the got shrunk down to about a quarter. Uh, and the next thing you know, he was in the hundred year old cow barn with all of his tools <laughs> and he was completely kicked out. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's changed a little bit every year. They've done something exciting. Uh, last last winter, uh, they decided that the main chandelier hanging was not good enough. Uh, and so it got taken out and she ordered, uh, Jackie's mom or my wife's mother ordered a, a very large chandelier for the middle of it. Uh, and then two small ones for the sides, uh, which we hung and, and looked beautiful in there, but, it's uh, very blingy. Yeah, it's come a lot. And she, uh, my wife's mom was a florist for a long time. And so, uh, there are flowers everywhere, uh, and the place is exploding with color all summer. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely 
absolutely incredible outside. So, well, okay, one example of the flowers. So um, there was an area between the grapes and the parking lot, and then there's the wedding venue right there. And so there's about two and a half acres of, of what used to be cow pasture that was this really ugly looking grass. Um, and so she goes through, or not ugly, ugly is a bad term, um, something positive, um, rustic looking farm grass. Um, and so uh, she uh, goes through and she got out there and she worked it all up and uh, she planted it all to wildflowers. And so now outside of our tasting room, there's two and a half acres of wildflowers. Um, they're it was stunningly exploding gorgeous. when I was out there, which I believe was in September, October. So kind of getting towards the end of the season. Oh, it still looks like and that. still full explosion yeah. with color of flowers everywhere. So the tasting room is in an old building at the front end of the farm. Yes. Uh, man, there's stories with that too. So it's, it's the old um, shop, carriage house, barn, whatever, that sat next to the original farmhouse. So my wife's parents lived there. The house burned in 2013 in a tragic chimney fire. Um, so they rebuilt further back. Uh, and so um, yeah, the tasting room is right there. Uh, it's open every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, from 12 PM to 5 PM with the caveat that we close during Fridays during the winter. So I lied right now. It's only Saturday and Sunday. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can find a lot more information about us at our website, www.whiskeyhillwinery.com. Uh, and then also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So you're a little bit of everywhere all over social media, which is great. It's an easy way of finding, you know, where you are, who you are, what you're doing, what's going on. Um, I do want to say, because I thought it was great, because not every winery is family-friendly, and this one is very family-friendly, it seems, with a beautiful outdoor sitting area, picnics, and a little bit of everything else going on there. We have, I have four kids, and so that was one of the things we went through with the Liquor Commission when we got our uh, state um, license for the taste room there, uh, was that my kids had to be around. And so, yeah, we have coloring books for kids. Uh, we try and make it an all-inclusive atmosphere for families uh, and keep it really laid back and easygoing. Which, that is so refreshing because it is really hard when you have small kids to find a babysitter to be able to go out and wine taste. Yes. Do you have anything going on for the holidays? Uh, we do. So through the month of December, every Sunday in December, we have Santa out there. Uh, and so it's by appointment only. So you can go online to our website or CharleneVogel.com. Uh, she's my wife's sister and she's a phenomenal photographer. So we have Santa out there and we do family pictures with Santa, uh, wine tasting for the adults, hot chocolate for the kids, all kinds of activities and stuff like that. Uh, that's Sunday only and that's by appointment only. Perfect. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us. It has been a pleasure. Um, have more visuals on what you guys do out there than I possibly need. Um, <laughs> but it's fantastic. Thank you. Keeping everything colorful. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us for the second episode of Wine Crush Season 2. Have a great weekend, and we will see you at the bottom of the glass.